starts with young Victor walking out from the cellar that Jade found. He still has his lunchbox with him, and Victor appears to maybe be 10 during this time. I don't know, I'm really bad with ages. He walks out to find everybody in town dead in the streets. I don't know if they're insinuating that this is the first time this has happened, or if it's just a matter of the, like Victor having just come to this uh, area from uh, I, I don't know he seemed to not understand what the hell was going on around him he was very shocked and then with the amount of people in the streets it felt like they got ambushed and didn't know that this was happening so is it possible that this was like the first attack maybe uh, we still obviously don't know a lot about the town as a whole and Maybe it was just a normal town, and then this is the night that it sort of became this weird kind of black hole for everything going on. But it's definitely something to keep in mind. We jump to today where Victor is drawing Julie as she sleeps, which is not creepy at all. He says to her that he is starting to remember things that he thought were dreams, but really happened to him. He gives Julie the drawing, and then leaves. Trudy walks up and asks for her pillow back. She says her pillow is named Meredith, which is a completely normal thing to do. Julie says she has a shirt just like the one Trudy's wearing, and Trudy's like, yeah, it's your shirt. Because Trudy takes what Trudy wants. If, uh, obviously, they're, they're, they're sort of a commune. They, they live in a community. You have to explain to the new people, like, hey, we share a lot of things. If that's actually the rules, what it seems more like is that Trudy believes that she shares with everybody and nobody else actually believes that. Lori looks at the body of Frank in the torn apart box, and it is not a pretty sight. But if you are a fan of like special effects, it is a beautiful sight because, boy, they put some work into this guy. Sarah arrives at the diner to find Tian Shen crying. She gets up and begins preparing breakfast. Tabitha is woken by Jim, but she fell asleep at the table. She spent the night worrying about Julie, and Tabitha asks if they are being punished for something. Ethan hobbles in, and Jim offers to take him to breakfast. Tabitha asks them to bring her something back, and she is going to stay home and get organized. Boyd proceeds to pack up Frank's body and wheels him away. He passes by Ethan and Jim, and shockingly doesn't wave to them with Frank's hand. And as they're walking past, one of the diner radios starts up as Jim and Ethan walk in. It's playing The Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkees. I'm not sure the connection here yet, but it seems like the diner radios have a, a sense of uh, humor about them. 
and also seem to understand music plays an important role. Sarah welcomes them, and Jim asks about Mrs. Liu, since her husband died two nights ago. Boyd brings the body of Frank to Father Katri, and asks that he be buried with his family. Katri asks if Boyd will be at the service. And Boyd asks if he will mention how he wanted him dead. Just coming in hot. Kenny walks up to the cellar and finds Jade. Jade takes him to the cellar and tells him of the vision he had. Kenny thinks Jade was just seeing things, but Jade tells him he's done a fuckload of drugs, but he knows the difference between a drug trip and an actual vision. Kenny tells him to follow him to the police station. Mrs. Liu brings a plate of pancakes to Ethan, and Ethan asks if they live here now, and says this is probably a quest. They need to save somebody if they want to go home. Ethan says sometimes he pretends this is where Thomas went. That he's on a quest, Ethan can help him so he can come back home. And Jim runs off to the bathroom to cry. Oh man, leave it, leave it to kids to come up with things that'll just break your heart. But Tabitha is also at home crying, so at least I've got that in common. Victor arrives to tell Ethan that the trees moved four inches closer, and that's bad. He asks about the boy that lives outside, and he shows Ethan a picture that he drew. Ethan asks why a grown-up would be drawing in crayon. Ethan confirms that they are both seeing the same boy, and he is real. Jim returns, and he shoves Victor out the door. He tells Ethan it's time to go, but he didn't get to have anything to eat, and it didn't seem like Ethan really had a chance to eat anything either. This relationship with Victor and Ethan uh, obviously is is something that's going to be throughout the entire series. And I've seen uh, a lot of different theory crafting that maybe Victor is a grown-up Ethan, but considering we saw Victor at the beginning of this episode, and he doesn't look like Ethan, I'm going to say no. There is obviously a possibility that there is some other connection than just they both are seeing the the kid. And it could just as easily be that they were both young when they, they first arrived in town. And maybe that's why they have that shared connection. But we've got plenty of time to see where that uh, leads to. Julie is joining in on the Matthews Family Cry Day as Fatima walks up. She says it was hard for her as well, but it got easier when she figured out how to get her clothes back from Trudy. And they head off together to, I guess, uh, steal all their stuff back? Jim and Ethan arrive back home, and Ethan tells them to fuck off for being mean to his friend Victor. Yeah. I understand where Jim is coming from, because Victor is just some old guy that keeps walking up and talking to his son. But also, like, yeah, people seem to just be like, ah, it's just Victor, whatever. He's he's harmless. So shoving him around and things like that, probably not the greatest thing. Fatima and Julie grab clothes from the laundry line, and Fatima talks about a crossdresser named Charlie who had an expensive top. He died and Trudy claimed it, but now Julie will be stealing it back. Tabitha walks up with Julie's sweater. Her and Julie both say they miss each other, and Tabitha says she should come back with them, and they can tell Donna she made a mistake in choosing Colony House. 
Julie calls out that Tabitha is making it seem like Julie is stupid and doesn't understand what she's doing. She tells Tabitha that she knows this trip was one last family outing before Jim and Tabitha get a divorce. Julie says that Tabitha has two other kids, and while they all suffered a loss, her and Ethan should be enough for her. She leaves Tabitha standing outside. It's a very heavy moment, and it's one that I think that Tabitha does have to realize. I mean, yes, you, you lost a child. That is a terrible thing. But you do have two other children, and while it is a terrible thing, they also went through a loss, and it seems like she's just sort of shut everything else out and mainly focused on, on her grief instead of on helping her family and keeping her family together. That's not blaming her. Uh, it seems like Jim's doing a lot of the same thing, but it's, it, it, it is also a completely natural reaction to have when you suffer something like that. And it seems like there's probably a little bit of blame going around there, there as well. I think there's a little resentment from Tabitha for however it went down. Probably look into this more in coming episodes. Jade and Kenya take a look at the U.S. map that is at the police station. They have a pin in each location where a resident arrived from. It would appear that everyone has come from different states, but they all appear in the same town. Kenya was from Texas, Jade from New York, Christy from Detroit. Jade laughs at this and says it's impossible, and he doesn't just sit around and accept things. Kenya tells him that anyone who doesn't adapt can't blend, will eventually break. It's not just the monsters, it's everything else that they have to deal with as well. While he's talking, a CB radio behind him starts to crackle the life. Jade jumps into action and grabs it from the wall, and he runs off with it. I like this bit of lore, this information of everybody will just be going about their business, and then suddenly they're on a road that has a downed tree, and after they turn around, they're in the town, no matter where they were from two minutes ago. It's interesting that it's all people in the U.S., as it doesn't seem to be anyone from outside of there. I don't know if that will continue to be the case, but at least for now, it's centrally located that at any point in time, if you live in the U.S., you could show up here. Jim and Tabitha talk on the steps of their new home. Tabitha says that Julie knows about the divorce, and he tells her everything will be okay. She, get pissed, she gets pissed at him because, yeah, just saying that doesn't mean it's true. And Tabitha tells him that saying it makes the rest of them feel like they are doing something wrong. Like, they should all feel the same way that he does, but he doesn't even believe what he's saying. Victor knocks on the back window to get Ethan's attention, and Ethan leaves, leaves out the back door, and Victor says that they need to go find him. The boy in white. Victor says the boy shows him and Ethan as it's like a quest. Victor hands Ethan a walking stick instead of a crutch because it's a better questing item. It's funny how quickly Victor just had her picked up on that vernacular that Ethan uses, and I guess it's maybe a little creepy that he is able to pick up on it so well and kind of use it to advantage, but obviously we haven't seen anything that tells us that Victor is a bad guy. By all accounts, he seems to be a really good guy, just he's grown up in this crazy town that creatures attack every night, so it makes sense that he's maybe a 
Boyd is fixing up the box while Katri walks up and says, if he needs to say shitty things to him to feel better, he needs to cut his shit out and be a leader. Katri says that none of this was his fault, and he says that this, that this wasn't about Frank and his family. Boyd tells him to watch his mouth, but Katri says she would not have wanted it to be like this. Before Boyd arrived and found the talismans, they were burying more people in a week than Boyd has in the two years he has been there. He tells Boyd that he saved the town, but at the cost of his wife. Boyd needs to tell everyone it is going to be okay, and he needs to be the one to lead everyone home. If he doesn't, she died for nothing. Katri walks off and Boyd's hand starts to have a tremor. Katri's lucky he didn't get bitch slapped by Boyd here, because he is overstepping his boundaries, but at the same account, a lot of what he's saying is true. We seem to have kind of a through line here of people not being able to deal with loss in a a healthy way. You have Void sort of took, taking out his frustrations on Katri. And Katri had nothing to do with his wife's death. We know that. Katri uh, showed up. Uh, or Katri was here before that, but he didn't have anything to do with the, the wife's death, as far as we know. And Boyd is the reluctant he- leader and the reluctant hero, but he is that. He is the leader. He is the hero. He has taken up this mantle, and he needs to follow through, and he needs to be strong for everyone else in town, because they can't be. Victor and Ethan are walking in the woods and says that the last time he saw the boy was when the two cars came. Not the recent two cars, the last two cars that came by, which was a long time ago. Ethan asks what happened to Victor's parents, and Victor says he doesn't want to talk about it. Ethan then tells him he used to have a brother who died when he was a baby. Victor says he doesn't want to know that stuff, and he says, sees the boy in white walking. Here you have another example of somebody discussing loss and dealing with it. Ethan is very matter-of-fact about it, and Victor is like sticking his fingers in his ears like, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to hear about it, I don't want to say anything about any dead body. You know? And this whole thing with the two cars, we, we know obviously the most recent one, brought Jade and uh, um, his business partner who's dead, and brought Ethan and his family. But we don't know anything about the last time that two cars came. But it was apparently a long enough time ago that I doubt that those people are still around, because it seems like Victor's the only one left around. But it'll be interesting to see what the significance of that is. Tabitha walks back inside after a fight with Jim, and she and Jim both notice that Ethan is gone, and Jim finds his crutch outside. Victor and Ethan walk up to a large tree with an opening, and Victor tells them this is a faraway tree. He draws a face on a rock and throws a rock into the opening, and the rock then falls to the ground behind them, out of nowhere. I would not suggest walking into the tree as you might break your legs. I don't know how far that, that rock fell, but it seemed like it was a good distance. Victor says you never know where you might end up. You might wind up in a mountain. Victor hears barking, but Ethan doesn't. And he remembers a dog barking over some dead bodies and the boy in white on the merry-go-round, which is a scene from our opening credits. Tabitha and Jim find a dog, which starts barking at them, 
and Victor fires a gun to scare the dogs away. Tabitha tells Ethan and, Vic- and Jim, tells, or Tabitha grabs Ethan, and Jim tells Victor he warned him. Victor apologizes and walks away. So here we've got Victor's got a gun, and there's something weird with dogs. I don't know if these are just dogs that, you know, also came across a tree on the road and turned around and came here, or if they were maybe somebody's dogs that wound up here and they've just been abandoned over the time and they're just living in the forest, or if there is some other significance to them. But there's dogs here, and they're weird. Victor returns to his home, and he looks through some of his drawings. He has one of two people with a dog next to them. The person in yellow is waving. There is a house on fire, and finally one of just the dog. He remembers a dog barking while standing next to a person who is torn in half. He sees the boy in white standing by another few bodies and a yellow truck. Victor grabs another drawing and remembers seeing the entire town aligned with dead bodies. The boy in white walks to the house, which now is as the Matthews family in it. We get a shot from the, the intro of the merry-go-round spinning while the dead person is next to the house. The boy in white rides the merry-go-round and waves Victor over to join him, but then disappears. Victor puts up a drawing of a faraway tree as well as a drawing of the street line corpses. There's sort of a lot to unpack here, but also not that much to unpack because it's a lot of hints. It's a lot of teases. Like, he... We're getting that the dogs are important, but we don't know why. We're getting that Victor has lived through all of this and somehow survived through all of this, even without talismans. The boy in white doesn't age, obviously. He is looks exactly the same. And I don't know if he is one of the creatures as well that who can come out at, at uh, the daylight, or if he is another entity altogether. Not sure. And I don't know if the merry-go-round is just a way for things to be creepy, or if there's actually significance there. And obviously with this all taking place in front of the Matthews house, it seems like there's a connection there as well. Jim walks up to Boyd and tells him about Victor walking around with a gun. Boyd tries to pass it off to Donna, since Victor is one of her people, and he says he'll talk to Donna about it. Boyd then invites them to dinner later. Julie gets led through Colony House while Fatima holds her eyes closed. She leads her to Fatima and Ellis's room, where they have set up a place for her to sleep. They installed curtains as well. I assume so Julie doesn't watch them fuck, but that's still not a lot to separate you from an underage girl. Julie now gets to sleep next to a mural of nude Alice and Fatima with a creature hand reaching out towards them. Just cozy. Boyd trims his beard and gets cleaned up. Then he screams into the mirror. He cuts to Boyd eating dinner with the Matthews family. He assures them Ellis is looking after Julie. He actually is there, is, so there is that, like, not lying. Sarah brings over some food and asks Ethan to help her. The counter jukebox starts up, which is a song from Jim and Tabitha's past. Penny asks to talk to Boyd, which leaves Jim and Tabitha alone. Jim apologizes to her and says he feels broken. Tabitha says that they will figure it out, and they hold hands. The town does seem to be trying to bring them back together, at least. And either it's, you know, a shared trauma thing, or there is actually something trying to help the people in the town here, while there's also something trying to eat them. 
Sarah starts to freak out, and the words kill the boy appear on her arm. She looks back down, and the words are gone. And then she drops to the ground and starts to have a seizure. The episode ends with a shot of Victor up at Colony House, and he's digging six graves. He says he's just getting a jump start on things. Just gotta end it in the most creepy way possible. Just a really stupid way. All in all, it was a good episode. Uh, we're four episodes into the series. Uh, we do know there's, another, there's a second season coming. And from all accounts, I think they've started filming it already. But there's still a lot more to tackle and a lot more episodes to cover. So with that, I want to thank you for taking a listen to this, and I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.